Welcome to the Sunday morning podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Crawley. This message is by Colin Urquhart. Well, we've had a great time of worship. Amen. It's good to rejoice in the Lord. Now, God's got a question for you this morning. What are you looking at? What are you looking at? If you've got your Bible, turn with me to Psalm 27. Can we turn this down a bit? It's ringing up here. Thank you. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evil men advance against me to devour my flesh, when my enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though an enemy besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war breaks out against me, even then will I be confident. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his tabernacle and set me high upon a rock. My head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his tabernacle, when I sacrifice with shouts of joy, I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, O Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, O God, my Savior. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, breathing out violence. I am still confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Amen. Now, do you remember that Jesus took three of the disciples up the Mount of Transfiguration? And there they saw his natural body transformed into his glorious body. The three disciples didn't quite know what to make of it. They'd never seen anything like this before. On the one hand, they were in awe of what they were seeing, even afraid. On the other hand, they realized that it was so wonderful that Peter said, let's build three canopies for you. Let's keep Jesus and Moses and Elijah who were seen with him. Let's keep things like this. This is so great. This is so wonderful. But it only lasted for 
a short period of time. This cloud of glory descended upon Jesus, and when the cloud lifted, he was back in his normal human form. And then they came down the mountain. I think Jesus, when he drew aside to pray to be with the Father, probably often experienced the glory of the Father. On this particular occasion, Peter, James, and John were given the privilege of sharing in that experience. But when they came down, there were the nine of the other twelve apostles or disciples. And there was this boy who was manifesting sickness. And the boy's father came to Jesus and said, your disciples can't heal him. And Jesus understood exactly what was going on. Now, those nine men had been sent out previously by Jesus to preach the gospel, to heal the sick, to cast demons out, and they'd come back and seen how God had used them in mighty ways. You would say that here were nine of the leading healing ministries in the world, and they couldn't heal the boy. You would even be tempted to say that if nine of Jesus' twelve disciples were praying for him, perhaps it wasn't the will of God to heal him. Some would come to that conclusion. But of course, when Jesus appears on the scene, everything changes. What a faithless and perverse generation you are. How much longer must I be with you? How much longer can I put up with all your unbelief? And of course, then Jesus heals the boy, sets him free. Because, of course, that is the will of God. So why didn't the nine disciples succeed when they prayed? What was different about what Jesus did from what the nine disciples were doing? Way back in about 1970, when the move of God began in the church where I was the vicar, this wonderful move of God that took place. This was something that was unique at that time. The Spirit of God was not moving generally in churches in that way. There were no books. There was no, nobody we could refer to. Even the Pentecostal churches at that time were pretty dry and, and dead for the most part. So we were having to find our own way in God. He, we, he was having to teach us. 
And I can remember there was one Sunday evening, we, by this time we had people coming from all over the country just to share in our Sunday evening worship because the news was spreading around of what God was doing amongst us, how many wonderful miracles of healing were happening uh, every week. And on this particular occasion, during the service, somebody began to manifest a demonic presence in his life. And that can be very disruptive in the middle of a service. So some of the, the men in the church took him into a side room and were ministering to him. So the rest of the service went on and God did great things. At the end of the service, one of them came to me and said, we've got this man. Would you come and, and see what's happening and help? Now, we weren't at that time experienced in these things. But when I went into the room, there was this man lying on the floor manifesting. And around him were this group of Christians that were kneeling on the floor praying in tongues. So I shut the door and went out the room and just prayed for a moment and said, Lord, what is going on here? Just help me to understand. And the Lord showed me what to do. So I went back in and I just said, Stop! Get up! In the name of Jesus, you are set free! And immediately the man was free. Now I just did what the Lord told me to do. See, what was the difference? Those nine disciples were looking at the boy. Jesus was looking to the Father. Those guys that were kneeling on the floor in the side room of that church were watching what the devil was doing. Jesus said, just get in there and take authority over what the devil is doing. It's so easy for us to put our focus on the problem. But Jesus tells us, speak to the mountain, command it to be moved. Amen. He doesn't want us focusing on the problem. He doesn't even want us talking about the problem. Because if you talk about the problem, your focus is on the problem. You talk about Jesus and your focus is on the answer. So Jesus is the answer because his focus was always upon the glory of the Father. And David, he wrote this psalm about a thousand years before Jesus was born. But he learned the same thing. He was often opposed by his enemies and people that oppressed him and uh, and did all kinds of, of things towards him. And he learned that if he looked at what his enemies were doing, he had no victory. But he learned also 
that if he put his eyes on the face of God, then God would deliver him because the Lord is his light and the Lord is his salvation. And if he is salvation, that means not just that he's saved us so that we've been born again and become Christians, but he constantly saves us. Day by day, he is our savior. So day by day, we need to have our focus on him. Now, I'm not intending to be rude, but compared with Jesus, you are a boring subject. (laughs) Jesus is exciting. So isn't it better to get your eyes off of yourself and onto him? You see, what the enemy does with every believer, he accuses, he tempts, he does anything that he can to get believers to focus on themselves. And you know, prayer for a lot of Christians is talking about themselves and saying amen at the end. instead of keeping the focus on Jesus and praising Jesus and seeing that Jesus is the answer. So this is why we're told to pray at all times with thanksgiving. If you look at yourself, there isn't anything to be thankful for. But if you look at Jesus, there's so much to be thankful for. And we're told to rejoice in the Lord always. Now how can you rejoice in the Lord and look at yourself at the same time? See, it's all a matter of focus. Now, the scripture says that without faith it is impossible to please God. If you focus on yourself, on your feelings, on your problem, then your faith is on yourself and your feelings and your problem. Your faith is only in Jesus when your faith is in Jesus. The importance of worship and of praise is it enables us to put our focus on Jesus. But you see, you don't end the worship time and then begin to think about yourself. No, you need to keep your focus on Jesus. You know, Jesus says, never be anxious. Now, you can't look at Jesus and be anxious. You only get anxious when you look at the problem and when you look at yourself and when you think that you have got to solve the problem. That produces fear, anxiety. It's not the fear of the Lord that the three disciples experienced when they saw the glory of God. This is the negative fear that is destructive. And fear is the enemy of faith. While we are fearful about a situation, we are not operating by faith. You see, somebody can receive bad news. Perhaps there's a diagnosis of of a disease or some other problem that arises. And if you focus on the diagnosis, 
you will fear. But if you're a person of faith, every day your focus is on Jesus, even before the diagnosis. So when the diagnosis comes, you don't fear whatever the doctors say the prognosis is, because your trust is already in Jesus. You don't look at the circumstances and then try to get into the place of faith. This is why it's so important for us to be men and women that are walking by faith day by day in our lives so that whatever arises, we meet the situation with faith. And you see, that's what David is saying in, in this psalm. My enemies come against me, men try to oppress me, they oppose me, all kinds of things. But your face will I seek. I'll keep my eyes on you, Jesus, or God, because this was, of course, before Jesus was born, but it's all the same because Jesus is God. So I will keep my eyes on you, Lord. I will keep my eyes on you. Why? Because he never fails those who put their trust in him. It's one of the promises of God. But you see, if you look at yourself, you're trusting in yourself. If you look at the problem, you're trusting in the problem. If you look at your feelings, you're trusting in your feelings. You can only really trust Jesus while you keep your eyes on Jesus. So the writer to Hebrews says that Jesus is the author and the perfecter of our faith. You can never get faith by looking at yourself. You can only get faith from Jesus. But how then can you look at Jesus? Do you sit on a chair and try to see him? Well, that's probably a good recipe for falling asleep. <laughs> and every person in this room that has prayed has fallen asleep at some time when they prayed. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. I've often fallen asleep. When, when I pray, but if you fall asleep when you're praying, it's a good sleep. <laughs> you're not going to have any nightmares if you fall asleep praying. <laughs> Praise God. So, we keep our focus on Jesus by doing what? By looking at his word. Because faith comes from hearing. So the first way to look to Jesus and to keep your eyes on him is to keep your eyes on what he says. Because you see, you can't separate what he says from who he is. Everything that he says reveals something about who he is. So that's why we need to be those that are feeding on the Word of God every day of our lives. We don't just turn to the Bible when we've got a problem, you know, and, and sort of saying, oh, lead me, 
and you open the thing. Because <laughs> you've probably heard about the guy who, who once did that. And uh, he opened his Bible and he put his finger on the verse that says, and G Judas went out and hanged himself. So he thought, well, that can't be right. That's not the Holy Spirit. So he tried again, and he turned the pages, and he did it again. And then he read the verse that says, and go and do likewise. <laughs> <laughs> he learned a, uh, a valuable lesson that is not the way to hear the word of God, the voice of God. But no, if we feed on his word, we're focusing on him, on what he says, and faith rises up within us. Because even in this psalm that we just read, you see, David says, well, this is the problem that comes against me, but I'm not focusing on the problem, I'm seeking the face of Jesus. Now, of course, he didn't have the Bible like we do. He wrote the Psalms. He didn't have the Psalms to refer to. And he certainly, of course, didn't have all the revelation of the New Testament. We are so blessed. Fancy possessing the book of God. The book that God has written. I mean, wouldn't it be an indication of our great pride if we neglected what God has written. Oh, he inspired men to actually put the words on paper, but it was God who authored these words. And you see, there is always, always a scripture for your need. And because the Holy Spirit lives in you, the Holy Spirit will actually lead you to the right scripture, not, not in a crazy way, but he will speak to you. Like he spoke to me this morning, he said, Psalm 27. When I said, you know, what do you want to say to your people this morning, Lord? Psalm 27. That's all he said. That's all I need. Okay. <laughs> so we're looking at Psalm 27. And that means that that becomes not just a psalm, but God's voice to you this morning. Because that's what the Holy Spirit does, you see. And there are things in this psalm that I've read that are relevant to people all over this congregation this morning. Because that's the way the Holy Spirit works. I mean, a preacher can speak about any of a thousand different subjects. But all that matters on any occasion is to speak the word that God wants to speak because he knows that word is relevant to the people that are there on that particular occasion. So, <clears throat> you know, there is a wrong kind of Christian teaching which suggests that what we should do is keep examining ourselves. But actually, that, the, the scripture forbids us from doing that. The only way in which we are to examine ourselves according to scripture 
is to see whether we are in the faith, to see whether in the situation that we're in, we're believing God. You see, because the Holy Spirit lives in you, you never have to examine yourself. If there's anything wrong, the Holy Spirit will sure quickly tell you about it. He'll convict you of sin. You'll feel uneasy about something, not because you've gone and looked at yourself, but because the Holy Spirit says, hey, 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 what's that doing in your life? That's messing you up. That's not helping you. That's getting in the way of God's purpose in your life. Come on, let's get rid of that. And that's what the blood of Jesus does. Causes anything in our lives that is not the purpose of God to be completely eradicated. And when God forgives us, when he cleanses us by the power of his blood, it's as if that thing never happened. It isn't that God sort of forgives us, but he stores it up in his memory bank. You know, you hear some people say, well, I'll forgive you, but I won't forget. No, that's not forgiveness. Forgiveness is forgetting, is then treating that other person as if the offense never happened. That's forgiveness. That's the way God forgives us. That's the way he wants us to forgive one another. Hello? And you see, it's possible for us not only to get our eyes on ourselves, but to get our eyes on other people. And to be complaining to God about other people. Now, God taught Paul a very, less, uh, a very important lesson about that. You remember the thorn in the flesh? The thorn in the flesh wasn't a sickness. There's nothing in the scripture to suggest it was a sickness. The thorn in the flesh was probably somebody who was opposing him in the gospel. You know, we talk about people being a real thorn in the side or a thorn in the flesh. And so he prayed, Lord, take this problem, take this person away. They're just getting in the way of my ministry. Three times he prayed. And you see, if it was a sickness, God could just heal the sickness first time he asked. But when it's people, then wrong things are operating in that people. God is not going to change people just for your benefit. But what he does is enable you to cope with people. So he says to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. You see, I've allowed this to happen to you so you realize how weak you are. Because when you realize how weak you are, you put your trust and dependence on me. And when we put our trust and dependence on him, then we overcome. Amen? While we look at ourselves, while we look at the problem, while we blame other people. Oh, that's an easy one, isn't it? It's their fault. If only he hadn't done this, if only she hadn't said that, if only they hadn't treated me in this way, I wouldn't have these problems. Wrong. Because Jesus said, Nothing outside a man defiles a man, but only that 
which comes from within, from his own heart. You see, why does God allow difficulties in our lives? Because they expose our hearts. And we don't see what is in our hearts because the heart is deceitful above all things. The only way in which you can understand what is in your heart by listening to what you say, because Jesus said from the overflow of the heart the mouth speaks, and seeing the way you react when difficulties arise. That reveals what is really in your heart. And God wants to purify and cleanse those hearts. He wants hearts that are full of love for him. Why? Because when we love him, we obey his commands. We do what he wants. We live to please him. So when there's things in our hearts that are not right and not what he wants, he allows things to happen to expose those things. And instead of resenting that, we should say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you've allowed that to happen. Why? Because the scripture says, in everything give thanks, because this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. So even when you're up against it, even when there's some kind of a problem, you thank God, not only that he will overcome the problem for, for what he is teaching you, what he is showing you, what he will do in you as a result. Because he's the redeemer. And the redeemer always turns a negative situation into something positive. You see, the cross seemed absolutely the end of Jesus. The devil thought he'd won at last. He'd been trying to kill Jesus for months, and at last he succeeded. But actually the Redeemer was at work, and the cross became the greatest victory over all the power of the enemy. And we can never be losers. We can never be defeated if our trust is in the Lord. Never. He will always redeem every situation. He will turn what seems to be evil and turn it round for good. So the scripture says, in all things, God is working for our good. Even when there's a problem, in that problem, God will be working for our good. He will turn things around. He will actually do things in us. Now, we must be careful that we don't go too far and say, well, God wants me to be sick because he teaches me some, something of that. No, 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 no. I'm not saying that. God never wants people to be sick. He, he'd much prefer to teach us in healing than to teach us in sickness. But you see, when things arise, I mean, you hear a lot of people say, oh, you know, I was sick and this, this, and this, and this happened. But now I can give thanks because God did so much in me during that sickness. Now, that doesn't mean that God wanted the sickness, but it means he used the sickness. He did his redeeming work. He turned something that was evil and used it for good. So nothing that happens in our lives need ever be wasted. In everything, God 
is able to speak, to teach, to help, to encourage, to purify, to transform us. Every day of our lives, the Holy Spirit is working within us to fulfill God's purposes for us. But the only way in which you can really live in that kind of victory is by keeping your eyes on him and on his word. You know, he is the Lord of glory. And even, even when you worship him, you know, don't just sing a good song. What are you looking at when you worship? You see, when we worship, we're joining with the company of heaven around the throne. And our eyes are on the one who is on the throne. You can imagine yourself there in the courts of glory. And you're not just singing out into an empty void, trusting that there's a God somewhere that's listening. But you're singing personally, directly to the Lord of glory. See, worship can take you up the Mount of Transfiguration and give you a revelation of the glory of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. That's why it's so important to worship. I mean, these things we do, worship and read the word and pray, we do these things because these are the ways to build relationship with God, to live in dependence upon God, and to see the life and the love and the power of God operating in our lives. Not only for our benefit, but for the benefit of all those around us. Because this is the great thing, isn't it? The more of Jesus that we focus on in our lives, the more others around us will be blessed with Jesus because his life will flow through us. But you see, by focusing on yourself, you can't bless others with the life of Jesus. You talk about yourself, all you're doing is trying to impress others with yourself or trying to offload your problems or your negative feelings onto others to pull them down. But when our focus is on Jesus, we can bless others. And his life, his life. We can be encouragers. See, the great thing, I can guarantee this, you have never heard anything from God that has not encouraged you. Everything he says encourages you. Even if he tells you to repent, he's encouraging you to repent. Because he knows that is for your good. Everything he does is for your welfare. Everything. So we want to become encouragers of others, don't we? And we want to do things for their welfare. We don't want to offload all a load of negativity onto others. We want to speak of the one who has set us free because our focus is on him. Hallelujah. You see, we have 
to live out our faith in the real world. And the real world is under the power of the evil one. So the scripture says that there is a spirit of this world that is opposed to the work of the spirit of Christ. And there's far more people that are living under the power of the evil one than are living under the power of Jesus. There are far more people that are being motivated and governed by the spirit of this world than by the Holy Spirit of God. But God cares for those who are his children. And he's put them as light in the midst of the darkness. And he knows that we are fearfully outnumbered. But he knows that all the work of the enemy will come to nothing. Whereas those that are his will remain with him for all eternity and will rule and reign with him in his glory. So he, he watches over them. He has his hand of blessing upon them. He has his hand of blessing upon you. And he is concerned about you because you are so precious to him. There are so many that are opposed to him, but you love him. You want his will and his purpose in your life. So he treasures that. He treasures you. And he wants to do everything that is good and right. Preparing you for an eternity with him. When there will be no problems, no tears, no enemy, no devil, no flesh. We have to battle against the world, the flesh, and the devil now. But for all eternity. I mean, this is only for a few years. 70, 80, 90 years. But that's nothing compared with eternity. Which will be forever and ever and ever and ever. And because of our faithfulness to him now, there will be no tears, no problems. No devil, no flesh, no worldliness for all of eternity. Oh, isn't that going to be good? I mean, we look forward to that time. But, but you know, what, what does it matter if during our lifetime now we have to do what Jesus said, deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow after him? Because the reward is going to be so great. Not only his gift of salvation, but also the reward for what we have done in faithfulness to him. Because Jesus said, each man will be rewarded according to what he's done. So, let's keep our eyes on Jesus. On his word. Listening to the voice of his spirit leading us. You know, submit yourself every day to him and say, Holy Spirit, lead me today. And it doesn't mean that you're going to hear a great booming voice from heaven. Thus saith the Lord thy God. But you know, the Holy Spirit will just show you. 
This is what to do. This is where to go. This is what to say. He's the still small voice. If you hear a nagging voice, it's not your wife, it's the devil. <laughs> the devil is a nagger. Well, there's a verse of scripture that says a nagging wife is like a dripping tap. It's in the book of Proverbs. You'll find it there in scripture. And you know, nothing is, nothing is more annoying than a dripping tap. You know. <laughs> You want to turn it off. Well, you want to turn, you'd want to turn, I don't have a nagging wife. And, you know, I wouldn't dare to say this if I had a nagging wife. Praise God. <laughs> but I don't have a nagging wife. But the devil is a nagger. He's worse than any nagging wife. All the time he's wanting to try to put the negative, the negative, the negative, the negative, the negative. The Holy Spirit is the still small voice. He doesn't keep on. He just... This is what to do. This is what to say. Just trust me. And you know, sometimes people come, come to me with sort of enormous problems and, the, and they want me to tell them what the Lord is saying to them. And you know, I've discovered this, that when I'm faced with immense problems, God is so frustrating. Didn't expect me to say that, did you? Oh, he is. He's so frustrating. Because every time I'm faced with a problem, he says the same thing. Trust me. Trust me. Just trust me. And you see, that's the thing. That's all, that's all that we have to do every day of our lives. Just trust him. And if we trust him, he will always carry us through. He will always take us through. Amen? Come on, let's all stand. Hallelujah. Oh, praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Now, whatever it is you're facing, I have a word from God for you this morning. He is saying, trust me. Trust me. Don't trust yourself. Because... You trust the one you look at. So if you look at yourself, you're trusting in yourself. If you look at the problem, you're trusting in the problem. If you're looking at other people, you're trusting in other people. But the Lord says, trust me. Remember how that psalm finished. I am still confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Trust Him. Wait upon Him. He will not fail you. Hallelujah. He will never forsake you. Come on, let's praise Him. Let's thank Him. Just thank Him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If there's some particular situation that is, that is a problem to you now, just say, Lord, I'm not going to think about this problem. I'm not going to dwell upon this problem. I'm not going to try to work it out for myself. I'm going to trust you. I'm trusting you now, Lord. I'm trusting you. You are the answer. 
And as I wait upon you, I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I will see your goodness even in this situation. Even if at present it seems, you know, so difficult to see how on earth the problem could be resolved. You have this promise that you will see the goodness of the Lord because He is your light. He is your salvation. So there's nothing to fear and no one to fear. You don't even have to fear the devil. Hallelujah, because you have been given authority over all the power of the evil. That nothing will harm you. So thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I just pray. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you, Lord, that you forgive us for any ways in which we have trusted in ourselves. When we've got so obsessed with ourselves, when all we do is talk about ourselves and think about ourselves and worry about ourselves, when all the time you live within us and you are so much greater than ourselves, So, Lord, I pray for all my brothers and sisters here now. I thank you, Lord, that you forgive us for any failure in the past to trust in you. But I thank you, Lord, that we're going to keep our focus on you more and more. On your word, on your spirit. Oh, we thank you, Jesus, that in all things, you will work together for our good because we love you and we've been called according to your purpose. We thank you. Thank you, Jesus, that no matter what happens, we can rejoice in the Lord always because you are so much bigger and greater than the situation. Thank you, Lord, that in all things we can give thanks because you give us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We are not on the bottom, we're on the top. We're the head, we're not the tail. Hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus. We praise you, Lord. We bless your holy name. Thank you that your word is so encouraging that faith comes from hearing your word. And thank you, Lord, for the gift of worship that takes our focus off of ourselves and put it onto you. And Lord, we just pray that we will see you more and more for who you really are and the wonder of your great, amazing, unending love for us. Praise your holy name. So thank you, Lord. This is going to be a week of victory. Yes. This is going to be a week of healing. Yes. That we keep praising you for your healing at work within us. Yes, 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 yes. We're not waiting to be healed, but we thank you that the healer is living within us. Oh, hallelujah. And because your spirit is within us, your healing is within us. And Lord, we're focusing not on ourselves, but on your healing grace. 
at work in our lives this week. Your healing grace at work in the lives for those for whom we're praying. And we bless you, Lord. We thank you. We're going to see the answers to prayer. Because you say you will do whatever we ask in prayer if we believe. Not if we believe in ourselves, but if we believe in you. And if we focus on you. And if we rejoice in you. And if we give thanks to you. And if our faith and trust is in you. So we praise you, Lord. We praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's praise the Lord together. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.